This is Straight Fire with Jason McIntyre. What is up, Straight Fire fam? It's me, Rob G, sitting in for Jason McIntyre here on Straight Fire for Thursday, August 11th, exactly one week until my birthday. I haven't decided exactly whether or not I'm going to do the show that day. I might take it off. Who knows? All I do know is regardless whether I come in on the 18th, as soon as we wrap things up on Friday, I'm jumping on a plane and flying out to Vegas, baby, where I will be spending the weekend with my beautiful wife at the Aria Hotel and Casino, which, as you know, if you've been paying attention, is the hotel from Las Vegas, the greatest movie of all time. Once again, yes, it comes full circle. My life revolves around Las Vegas. Uh, we got fan mail coming up later in the show. Again, it's been a really big hit. I'm really happy with the response that we've been getting. My sincere hope is that once Jason does return next week and moving forward, that maybe we don't do it every single day the way I've been doing it this week, but maybe we make it a, a weekly or a bi-weekly occurrence just because I think um, it adds a little something to the program and it gives you guys, the listeners who are first and foremost in our minds anytime we do a show, a chance to be included in the production. Really quickly here before I get into the story that I'm hottest on, involving my beloved Los Angeles Lakers. I did see some of the DMs, some of the tweets, some of the comments regarding the shot that I took at the Detroit Lions and Hard Knocks, and I called them a poverty franchise or something like that. I don't remember exactly what I said, but I knew I did take a little little jab at them, and um, people didn't like what I said about it. And let me just say this. I do not care, okay? Look, man, I, I I don't regret anything I may have said about the Detroit Lions. Because quite simply, man, the franchise is a joke. I mean, they have one playoff victory. One since 1957. Okay? And I'm supposed to be excited about their hard knock season? And here's another thing. Came out Wednesday morning. Their rookie wide receiver, Jamison Williams out of Alabama. Ton of upside. Very excited to see what he can do in the NFL. It was reported that he had to ask Matthew Stafford for permission to wear the number nine with the Detroit Lions. Look, I know Matthew Stafford just won a Super Bowl. I'm sure his trajectory in the all-time pantheon of quarterbacks is changing now that he's with the Rams, a competent NFL franchise, by the way. But what in the hell did Matthew Stafford ever do in Detroit that made it so that players have to ask his permission to wear their jersey. I I don't get it. I don't understand it. It is why the Detroit Lions to me are a joke and they will forever remain a joke until they become even consistently mediocre. They don't have to be good, but can you string together a couple of 500 or above seasons? Just a couple. That's all I ask for. Jeez Louise. All right, in any event, the story that I did want to get to, and I should have got to it yesterday, you know, full disclosure, that's, that's my bad. As a producer, I got to know better. When I see a story break late on a Tuesday night and I didn't see it when I recorded on Wednesday morning, that's my fault. So I'm getting to it here today on Thursday. According to Yahoo Sports NBA insider Chris Haynes, he detailed the meeting that LeBron James took with the Lakers brass last week to discuss his contract extension. According to the report, it was LeBron, it was Rich Paul, it was 
GM Rob Palenka and new head coach Darvin Ham. And according to Chris Haynes, one of the best in the business, there were four key points that came out of that meeting. None of which, by the way, had anything to do with his contract extension, according to at least the report that even though that they have a strong dialogue, the majority of the conversation had nothing to do with LeBron and his contract. Instead, here were the key things that they discussed. According to Chris Haynes, LeBron, at least according to sources, drilled home the importance of consistent competitiveness and cohesion, noting that last season's team didn't give themselves a chance on many nights. Okay, I would agree with that. Number two, Darvin Ham agreed with LeBron and said one of his main objectives is to hold everyone accountable and foster an atmosphere of selflessness. Okay, I'm on board with that as well. Two for two. Number three, Darvin Ham warned that players would have to play new roles and if he sensed any kind of reluctance, he wouldn't hesitate to remove them from the game. And last but not least, to me, the most important thing, Darvin Ham and LeBron James agreed that the offense should run through Anthony Davis. I'm on board with everything that is listed in this article. I think it's a strong plan. I like the direction of the franchise. My only caveat, though, is this. Having read this, and I don't doubt Chris Haynes' reporting at all because the majority of this column that he put out was a fluff piece on the upcoming Lakers documentary show on Hulu. So I'm willing to bet that he doesn't do the fluffery with regards to the Hulu doc if he doesn't get some good information in return. Like that's the way these things work in a lot of times. You got to give to get it. In this case, he gave them a, a strong pub for the upcoming documentary in exchange for good information. At least that's the way I see it. That's my opinion. I could be wrong, but that's how I see it. Again, my only caveat with all of this is after having read it, it's clear that the Lakers have been lying to us this entire offseason. They have been telling any reporter who would listen that the Los Angeles Lakers are flat out unwilling to include both their 2027 and 2029 first round picks to get off of Russell Westbrook. Darvin Ham has done a slew of podcast and media interviews where he said that he is committed to making Russell Westbrook work alongside LeBron James and Anthony Davis, that he's excited to work with him. Again, if you read the Chris Haynes report, none of those things that they listed as the four key factors for the upcoming season sounds like they have any intention whatsoever of making it work with Russell Westbrook. And that's fine. Like, I, that's what I would do. I would look to move off of Russell Westbrook. I would take those two first-round picks and dangle them around with his contract and see what I could get. Obviously, I'm going to hold out for Tyree Irving, but if it turns out that I have to give up both first-round picks to get even Buddy Heald and Miles Turner, then so be it. The Lakers have maintained that's not their stance. But in this article, the way things break down, number one, the importance of consistent competitiveness and cohesion. 
I watched every single Los Angeles Lakers game last season. I thought coming into it that Russell Westbrook was one of the hardest playing players in the NBA, that he always gives 110%, sometimes to his detriment. But the one thing you could never question was his effort. Having watched him on a nightly basis here in Los Angeles, that is media spin. I'm not saying it doesn't take a lot of effort to get triple doubles. It obviously does. But if you watch Russell Westbrook, there is so many instances where he's just walking around, especially on defense, not paying attention to his defender, to the man that he's defending, watching the ball, you know, on rebounds, not boxing anyone out. Like there is a certain fire that he does not play with consistently. I don't think he plays hard consistently, at least as much as his reputation would suggest. So that's number one. Number two, they agreed that one of their main objectives was to hold everyone accountable and foster an atmosphere of selflessness. There is nothing selfless about Russell Westbrook. And to be quite honest with you, I don't blame him because he would not be the Hall of Fame player that he is if he wasn't so ball dominant, if you didn't let Russ be Russ, as they say. But Russell Westbrook, according to Second Spectrum, Cleaning the Glass, pick your favorite advanced analytic website, does not set ball screens. And that may be one of the most selfless things you can do in the NBA because there's no guarantee once you set the screen, you're going to get the ball back in any capacity. Russell Westbrook flat out does not do that. When Russell Westbrook does not have the ball in his hands, he does next to nothing. When's the last time you saw Russell Westbrook flash back door? I honestly cannot recall. Number three. Darvin Ham warns that players will have to play new roles and if he sensed reluctance, wouldn't hesitate to bench him. Russell Westbrook has been playing the same style of basketball since, what, 2016, 17, when Kevin Durant left. He's only played one style. And you're expecting me to believe that now, suddenly, we're going to turn him into Bruce Brown of the West? That he's going to be setting ball screens for LeBron James and acting as a screener and a roller? Because he's definitely not going to pick and pop. Or, as it mentions later on in the article, that they're optimistic about his three-point shooting. And I've heard a few podcasts mention that last season, Russell Westbrook shot over 40% on corner threes. And... That's great until you look at it. He only attempted like 40 of them on the season. So on a very, 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 very low volume, he did shoot it at a decent clip. And again, Russell Westbrook has been playing the same way for five plus years. Again, his style of play, the ball dominant whirling dervish style of play offensively is why he is going to be a Hall of Famer, is why he's going to be a top 75 guy. Or he is a top 75 guy already, actually, excuse me. And we're expected to believe that Darvin Ham is going to be able to transform Russell Westbrook into a role player? I don't think so. Last one, the offense is going to run through Anthony Davis. Again, 
when is the last time Russell Westbrook has been successful as an NBA player where the offense did not run through him? You'd have to go back to Oklahoma City with Kevin Durant. And even then, if you actually watch it closely, if you go back on YouTube and watch the film, you could make an argument that the offense did run through Russell Westbrook. At least half the time, like it was the epitome of your turn, my turn basketball. There was no cohesion, at least to me, watching KD and Russ play together. They were just overwhelming people with their individual talent. And it's part of the reason why Kevin Durant felt he needed to bolt to Golden State where they played in a system that allowed each guy to flourish, that they played within something that was bigger than even their individual selves. And that's just not the way Russell Westbrook plays. So why are we going to expect that Russell Westbrook is going to be okay and is going to be effective and is going to flourish playing in an offense that runs through Anthony Davis. He's not. Everything that they've said in this article will tell you, as long as you're reading between the lines, their plans do not include Russell Westbrook. They have no intentions of him being on the roster next season. Darvin Ham, Rob Palinka have been lying to you for months about what they'd be willing to do to get Russell Westbrook off the roster. He's as good as gone. Jovan Buha, friend of this podcast, said in his mailbag about a week and a half ago that he views the start of training camp as a soft deadline to get Russ out of town. I would be shocked, flabbergasted, if he is on the roster when training camp starts. Russell Westbrook is as good as gone. I think that's for the best. I'm excited about it. I think that the Lakers have some moves they can make that'll make them a more contending team, most specifically Kyrie Irving. I just I just don't like being lied to. And I understand that maybe this part has to do with um, negotiations and trying to maintain some leverage here with uh, the Kyrie Irving or Indiana trades that might be out there. But I'm glad that we were able to sift through all the weeds and see the forest through the trees and see that, yes, Laker fans, Laker Nation, the Russell Westbrook experience will be over in short order. That might be a few weeks down the line, maybe in a month down the line. But you know what's coming up next? The segment that's sweeping the nation, fan mail. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. You've got mail. Oh my God, I'm your biggest fan. It's time for some fan mail. That's right, day number three of the fan mail segment here on the Straight Fire with Jason McIntyre podcast. Rob G once again sitting in for J Mac. And um, I think this is going pretty well. Uh, the feedback for this segment has been pretty good. I might say so myself, a lot of engagement, a lot of people slide in the DMs at the producer RG on Twitter, getting new questions every day. Also getting some responses to some of the answers that I had earlier in the week. Uh, it didn't seem like very many people enjoyed the, the Seahawks take that I had. Um, 
yes, I do know that the Houston Texans exist. I do know that the Jacksonville Jaguars exist. That's goes without saying, you know, I just think that in this case for the Seattle Seahawks, you know, it's, I think they're in a race to the bottom and I think that the Seahawks are going to be right there. So when I say that they are going to be the worst team in the NFL, that's why it is a quote unquote surprise pick because I don't think a lot of people were pegging them to be that bad this upcoming season. But enough about that. Let's move forward to today's edition of the mailbag. I've been told that some of you guys want me to kind of speed up my answers. You know, I'm only getting to three or four of these a day and they're trying to get to as many as possible. So I'll try to be a little bit more concise, a little less wordy with some of my answers going forward the rest of the week. Um, All right, here we go. Question number one for today. Give me a fantasy sleeper or fantasy and or fantasy bust for this upcoming season. Um, Okay. One guy that stands out to me right off the top, and it's someone who had in my fantasy league last year, and he was, I, I, I think, easily my best wide receiver throughout most of the season, but I'm expecting him to take a step back here going forward, and that's CeeDee Lamb, and it's not that I don't think he's a great receiver. I think he's a fantastic receiver. He's the clear-cut number one in that Dallas Cowboys offense. My concern, however, stems from two things. Number one, Amari Cooper being out. And Michael Gallup being hurt, basically, I think Thanksgiving means that you're going to get a lot of double, a lot of bracket, a lot of cloud coverage on CD Lamb. They're going to make the tight ends beat them. They're going to make these unproven receivers with Dak Prescott make you beat them. And it's not to say I don't think that CD Lamb can handle double coverage. He absolutely can. But the problem is we haven't seen that from him yet. Okay, you know, when he had Amari Cooper, who was the number one receiver, I know that CD probably had better stats last season. But when CD Lamb was out, or excuse me, when Amari Cooper was out with COVID, I think it was against the Chiefs, you saw CD Lamb, I think he had what, three catches for 14 yards, something really minuscule like that. And then once Michael Gallup got hurt and CD Lamb had to play a little more on the outside, he was effective, but he wasn't nearly as effective as he's been in the slot. And that's where he was doing most of his damage when Gallup and Cooper were on the outside and CeeDee Lamb could use and abuse the third corner. It was a virtual mismatch, no matter who he went against in the slot. And now that those guys are unavailable, or at least uh, Coop is the whole season, and, and you know we'll see when Michael Gallup gets back, it's just going to be really tough. You're, you're, he's going to see a lot of coverage, and I, I don't think that he's going to be worth the wide receiver six, which he's currently going on ESPN.com in drafts. I don't think he's going to produce wide receiver six numbers. I think if you draft CD lamb, you got a temporary expectation a little bit. I think he'll still be low end wide receiver one. So somewhere closer to 10, 12 on the season, which is still good. Obviously it's just, I don't think he's going to produce at the rate that we're expecting him to. Um, the other reason why I'm a lower on him the most is because, like, have you heard some of the commentary coming out of Dallas or Oxnard in this case, where they do training camp here in Southern California? I mean, there's legitimate talk about them featuring Ezekiel Elliott in their offense. Like, all due respect to Zeke, but Zeke hasn't been a great running back in years. Tony Pollard was better than Zeke last year. And yet you got, you know, Emmett Smith. Tony Romo, Jerry Jones at various times in this offseason saying that they want to lean on and feature Ezekiel Elliott 
like he is the primary back that he was when he got drafted. And I, that obviously I think that's a mistake, but if we are to believe that, and I have no reason to believe that otherwise, you know, we have guys like that with close ties to the organization. In this case, one of them is the owner. So he probably knows better than most that they want to feature the running game again. Then that just means less action in the passing game for Dak Prescott and by default, CeeDee Lamb. So that to me is why I have him as a quote unquote bust. Again, I think he's still going to be really good. I think he's going to be a wide receiver one back half wide receiver one. I just don't view him as the wide receiver six that he's currently being drafted at in fantasy drafts. All right, moving on quickly. Question number two. Do you think that Shohei Otani is going to repeat as American League MVP? I love it when people ask me baseball questions like like I'm the, the, the go-to baseball aficionado. If you, haven't, if you haven't learned by now, baseball is not exactly my forte. Um, but the question did come in. I got to give you an answer. And from a surface viewpoint, which is myself, I don't view, I don't look at war and all these different numbers. Like that's just not, I'm not into baseball like that. But in just my humble opinion, no, I don't think that Shohei Otani uh, should be the AL MVP. Not because he's not great. He's obviously great. You know, the the first two-way star we've seen since Babe Ruth. You know, he's awesome. But in my opinion, at some point, winning has to matter. And the Angels are terrible. They haven't played a meaningful game since mid-June. You know, so I, I don't feel comfortable giving a most valuable player award to a guy on his team who sucks especially when you have Aaron Judge there with the Yankees on pace currently to obliterate the 61 home run franchise mark set by Roger Maris so when you have a legitimate candidate like Aaron Judge sitting out there I I don't believe in naming another guy MVP in this case Otani just because of his two-way ability and again it's not to knock it it's just I think Rob Parker said it best from The Odd Couple, weeknights, 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern, Fox Sports Radio, Chris Broussard. He said this about Mike Trout, actually, a few years back. And it kind of applies, I think, to Shohei Otani as well. It's really easy to put up great stats in baseball when there's no pressure on you. Again, the Angels haven't had a meaningful game in almost two months. You can be really comfortable standing there in the batter's box when you can hit a home run, you can strike out, and it really doesn't make a difference whatsoever. Like, I need to see how you perform when the chips are down, when your team's in a rut, when the Angels were in a really big rut recently, and Otani had a couple of games here and there, but he wasn't doing a whole heck of a lot to inspire confidence and turn things around. Um... So again, I'm not a baseball guy. I'm very full disclosure. That's not my forte. But if you just ask my opinion, I I don't believe in rewarding losing teams with an MVP award. That's just me. All right, moving on quickly. Question number three, if I can pull it up as quickly as well. When are you going to admit that Tom Brady is the GOAT? I have admitted that Brady is the GOAT. Maybe you haven't been paying attention. Yes, I've said that with his accolades and his accomplishments, it's almost impossible to say that Tom Brady is not the greatest of all time. That doesn't mean to me, I think he's the best quarterback I've ever seen. Like Tom Brady, 
when you when it's all said and done with the all pros and the Super Bowls, like it's not even close about who is the greatest because the greatest, the way it's been defined in sports media, at least for the last 30 plus years, is the winningest, the most dominant. That's what it means. Like that's who the greatest is. That's why Michael Jordan is in a lot of people's eyes the unquestioned greatest ever because six for six in the finals years of dominance like there's nothing that lebron james can do because he lost too many times in the finals same thing goes with tom brady like he's got seven super bowls like well there's no argument against that and that's true i i just have a problem though with people who go out of their way to shower tom brady with praise when he doesn't really deserve it you know a few weeks ago i went on the odd couple fox sports radio and i went off about tom brady being rated as a 99 in madden and it's like in what world in a video game especially is tom brady worthy of being a 99 he's got doesn't have a cannon for an arm he's can't you know can't run away from anybody he's he's a good quarterback and and even more specifically how could you say entering the 2022 season when Aaron Rodgers exists. It's a back-to-back MVP that you can say with a straight face that Tom Brady is a better quarterback than Aaron Rodgers right now. And he's it's not, you know, I, I, that's where my issue is with Tom Brady. Like the greatest of all time. He's the goat. Of course. I personally don't think he's the best quarterback I've ever seen because I, there's certain throws that I've seen Aaron Rodgers make. And that's why to me, he's the best. And there's been plenty of other Former NFL players that I've talked to both on air and off the air, most recently Ephraim Salam, who was very public when he was filling in on the radio a few weeks ago. And he said that the only quarterback he ever faced that made the other team's offense, in this case, his team's offense, change their entire game plan was Peyton Manning, not Tom Brady. Bart Scott said something similar. He's like, no, we had much more of a healthy fear of Peyton Manning than we did of Tom Brady. So, again, I've never said that Brady is not the greatest of all time. Seven Super Bowls, he's got to be. You know, I just don't believe that he's the best I've ever seen. And I don't believe in, you know, going out of my way to give him credit that he hasn't earned. You know, he's done a million things in his career that he gets and deserves credit for. So, you don't need to fabricate and find new ways to give him credit when... You know, he doesn't deserve it in that specific instance. So that's where I'm at with Tom Brady. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. All right, I'm going to go through these last ones as quickly as possible. We've only got a couple minutes left. Uh, who is the best TV or film quarterback of all time? Steeman Willie Beeman. Come on, any given Sunday, give me Fox uh, for a number of reasons. Number one, He's one of the few guys in um, film history who is a professional quarterback. Um, you know, otherwise it'd be like Lance Harbor from Varsity Blues. So can't name him. And just visually, it's much more believable to see Jamie Foxx playing quarterback than it is, you know, Adam Sandler or Burt Reynolds. So, of course, Stephen Willie Beeman is the greatest film or movie quarterback of all time. Uh, next one, who is the best player in the NBA right now? Giannis. Like, again, that's not that difficult. He 50 point performance in the finals a couple of years ago to, to close things out. I'd be down 2 0, and, and then he's a two time 
you know, MVP, four-time first-team All-NBA, four-time first-team All-Defense. Like, the fact that people go out of their way, it feels like, to, to discredit Giannis is beyond me. I, I don't get it. I don't understand how, you know, J.J. Reddick can not have him in his top three. He did an interview with Joel Embiid, I don't even remember that, about a year ago or earlier this year. And he says that, you know, I think you and, and KD are two of the three best players uh, in the NBA right now. And then Joel Embiid, to his credit, it's like, okay, well, who's the third one? And JJ looks, you know, really befuddled. And he says, you know, yeah, uh, uh, Jokic. And Embiid looks at him. He's like, oh, so no Giannis. Oh, no, Giannis is right below them. And it's like, wow. Really? After what he just did in the finals? Like, come on. And then you got Andre Iguodala says that Rasheed Wallace would be better than Giannis if they played in today's NBA. It's like, look, Rasheed Wallace was great. He was, no, I'm going to say great. He was very good. He was a fun player to watch. He had some skills that were before his time, but no, he's, he's nowhere close to Giannis. And, and, and I just don't understand the, the people who like to slander Giannis as a basketball player because he doesn't have the deepest bag, so to speak. He doesn't have the Kyrie handles or the shoot like Steph or he doesn't pass like LeBron. And it's like, I put it to it this way. In certain situations around the house, you know, you need to get some done. What's the point of having a Swiss army knife that can do a bunch of different things when a sledgehammer will do? And Giannis offensively is like a sledgehammer. I don't care if he's not a great shooter because he can get to the rim almost at will. He can power through contact. He can dunk on everybody. And he's arguably the best defender in the NBA. So, yes, Giannis Antetokounmpo is, of course, the best player in the NBA. Last one very quickly. Oh, God. <laughs> okay. Um, who is the most iconic LA broadcaster Vince Scully or Chick Hearn. Dude, are you serious? Are you are you trying to get me killed here in these streets of Los Angeles? Like you're asking me to offend somebody. Oh gosh. Um Chick Hearn. And uh, yes, Chick Hearn, because I just said a few minutes ago how I'm not the biggest baseball fan and, and, and I wanted this whole spiel about Otani and why he can't be the uh, MVP. And I prefaced it all by saying, you know, baseball's not my bag. So for me to say that a few minutes ago and then turn around right now and say, well, yeah, of course, Vince Scully is the most iconic LA broadcaster when, full disclosure, I didn't watch a ton of games that he was calling. Obviously, I know his greatness and I know what he means to the city, but I never missed a Chick Hearn broadcast growing up before he passed away. Um, so obviously I have to go with Chick Hearn. Otherwise I would, you know, be going back on something I just said. And whoever sent that question in is an asshole because that's not cool to make you choose between Chick Hearn and Vince Scully, especially in Los Angeles. And with that, I'm going to close the mailbag for today because I don't feel like uh, saying anything else that might lead to me not being able to come into work tomorrow because I said something. So, uh, all right. Uh, have the great rest of your day and uh, we will finish the week strong tomorrow. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all new 2025 Infinity QX 80 live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. 
The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. I'm John Seifer. And I'm Jerry O'Shea. We spent over 30 years in the CIA uncovering global conspiracies. Conspiracies aren't just a theory to us, which is why we started our podcast, Mission Implausible. Everyone has questions about conspiracy theories, but with our background, we can actually answer those questions. Anyone can just start screaming about microchips and Jewish space lasers, but it's our mission to remove the bull and get down to what's real. Listen to Mission Implausible on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Anka. And I'm Skip Bronson. And what happens when two old friends take their decades of experience in the business and entertainment worlds and sit down with our buddies? You get our way, a brand new show from My Heart Podcast, where we chop it up with our pals about everything under the sun. This is our podcast, and we're going to do it our way. Listen to Our Way on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. One of the best shows of the year, according to Apple, Amazon, and Time, is back for another round. We had a big bear of a man, who's called Mal Evans, who's on roadie, and uh, <clears throat> I was coming back on the plane, and he said, will you pass the salt and pepper? And I misheard him. <laughs> I said, what? Salt and pepper? Listen to season two of McCartney, A Life in Lyrics, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.